Welcome to the Manifesting Clarity Podcast, where we work together to help you receive the answers to your big what's next question. Hi, I'm your host, Jen Roth. I'm excited to share how my journey of building a business as a massage therapist and herbalist has led me to my biggest passion, clarity coaching. My deepest desire is to help you create a life you absolutely love. So with each episode, I'll bring you firsthand stories and proven methods from industry leaders who have faced challenging decisions and stepped into their power to unlock a life of their dreams. It's my intention to bring you inspiration and answers so you can navigate your life's next big step. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I am thrilled to be here with a dear sister, Christy Bells, who has made such an impact in my life. I had the opportunity of co-coaching, co-leading with Kathy Hawk, who, if you've been listening since the beginning, is one of our joint co-mentors. And Christy came in and was going through her Clarity faculty training at that point, and I was getting to do uh, a new and different dance with Kathy Hawk as things were shifting with Clarity, and you were just a really profound presence in that room. You create an energy of so much curiosity, and at least for me, really wanting to get to know you more and who you are and what you're up to, so I'm thrilled to be able to introduce you to the Manifesting Clarity community. You've recently written a book and have been a coach and author, speaker, mentor, guide, done so many tremendous things along your journey. So Christy, will you um, go ahead and introduce yourself and share a little bit about who you are and, and what you're up to in the world? Yeah, I would love to. Thank you for that introduction. I had the same exact feeling about you with that training. So Um, you know, bright light. And it was wonderful to spend that time with you and watch you facilitate. So I just want you to know right back at you, sister. Um, Pretty awesome stuff. And of course, the clarity work is, you know, extraordinary. And, and we both really love and honor Kathy Hawk and her work. So um, thanks for having me. I'd love to share a little bit about my story because it's been a journey. And I'll just start with the humor of the title of my book called Oh God of Second Chances. Here I am again. Um, because I am a girl who fell down and got back up literally, figuratively, emotionally, like in so many ways, almost my whole life. And I found the grace somehow in, in living um, and making mistakes and facing challenges and all that stuff to learn how to transform that into something more and different for myself and for people that I work with. So, oh God of second chances, here I am again is... Um, something I mantra. It's something I write about most days when I journal, because inevitably I write something that I'm continuing to work on again. And I'm like, Oh, here I am again. So um, my book also has a little angel on the front with red ruby cowboy boots. And that's because I'm from Kansas. I'm a a big fan of things, Kansas, like rodeos and cowboy boots and boys in tight jeans and um, all the fun stuff that Kansas brought me. And I um, love the Wizard of Oz. And so part of the work is um, coming from my roots, which were humble. My dad worked for the, was a linesman for the power company. And my mom worked in a bowling alley at night at behind the snack bar. So my dad was my primary caretaker in the evening. And I had a brother 18 months older than I was, who was severely ADHD. And so 
caused havoc like you can't even believe, like on a daily basis. And um, it was challenging because my parents didn't really know how to manage him. And so it, it just was a lot of chaos. Um, my dad had severe depressive disorder. And so he um, was very introverted and stayed kind of within for a long time. And, um, but I was his, the light of his life. And um, one day I was 10, I was going to school and he called me back up to the porch of my house and said, I love you. I just want you to know how much I love you. And I was elated, like over the moon, you know, like my daddy loves me, you know, and I skipped to school. I came home that afternoon and my dad was in bed. My mom wasn't home. I have no idea where my brother was and I couldn't wake him up. And at 10, I didn't quite understand what was going on. So I, I was afraid to wake him up at some point. Like I didn't want to shove him. And I didn't want to make him mad. So hours went by and finally my mom came home and I had totally gone into an anxiety attack and, you know, mom, mom, something's wrong with dad. And so she goes in, checks on him and calls 911 and they, my dad leaves to go to the hospital in an ambulance. Um, he had attempted to take his life that day. And so a very confusing moment in my life. You know, when your daddy tells you he loves you that morning and then he attempts to take his life that day, um, you know, it, it it's hard. It's very challenging. And still to this day, I struggle with that, you know, and I've done a lot of work on it, a lot of, you know, therapy, a lot of different things around that. Um, so that was probably the most significant early event in my life, you know, along with the chaos, it was, you know, crazy stuff. You know, my family was, it was, you know, my dad used to hang engines from cars. He'd throw a chain over a tree and he'd pull the engine up with this chain. And that would be sitting in our side lot of our house. And uh, it was just, you know, kind of redneck stuff. <laughs> I was a Kansas girl and I was, I, I kind of loved it when I, except when I didn't. And then, you know, um, but I, I was the good girl. I was the little angel. You know, I was, I was learned early to fly under the radar, be good, you know, uber sweet. My mom said I was the most loving kid ever. She said, I just run up to strangers and grab their legs and hug them. And and, um, you know, that was just my personality, but I think that was a coping mechanism for me to, um, survive in a really crazy time. And so when I graduated high school, I was the first to graduate high school. My brother had dropped out, um, before me and had gone into the military. Um, my dad actually started, graduated high school, but he, um, went into the military as well. And then my mom didn't get her GED until later. So when I graduated high school, college wasn't planned for me. And so I didn't even know what college was. I'm kind of a weird thing. So I went to work and I worked two jobs. I worked day as a waitress or nights as a waitress and day as a hostess. And I got a call from a friend who was working at the ad agency. And she said, would you, you know, want to consider coming to work for this agency? They're looking for help. I thought, oh, well, why not? You know, so I went to work for them. Well, this company exploded. It was about 3 million in sales when I started. And I started out just doing like anything anybody needed done in the office, I would do it. I'd run, get coffee, I'd do whatever they needed. And over time, I you know, got promoted and started moving in different positions. And I ended up as a director of sales. So I traveled all over the country from the time I was 19 until I was about 26. Um, the company went from 3 million in sales to over 40 million in sales. And I just kicked ass. I mean, I was a really good salesperson and, you know, I loved people. So 
but I was burnt out and I just didn't have the bandwidth really, even though I had all the resources, I had a great sports car, I owned a house, I was, I just wasn't happy. And so I ended up in therapy and I actually found a small church in Kansas City. It was called Unity. It's a non-denominational practice. And the minister at that church really profoundly shifted things for me. So the combination of my therapist and this minister in my mid-20s really, I just, I think I, I know that I probably had a spiritual awakening at that point. Like I woke up to the inherent goodness of who I am and that everything that had happened to me, my dad actually died when I was 19. He did not die of suicide. He died of a massive heart attack. So dealing with my dad's death, my mom spiraled out of control. My brother was nuts you know, crazy times. So I'm working like a crazy woman, you know, I'm working and that's what I do is I throw myself into my work and that's what I do. And that became my identity. And, you know, it just wasn't to be had. So I decided at some point that I should quit my job and go to college. And people, my mother thought I was absolutely nuts. A uh, few, everybody thought I was nuts. They're like, why would you quit like a six figure job to go become, and I wanted to study social work and people are like, what, what are you talking about? Like, people don't do this stuff. Christy. I'm like, it's my heart. My heart's telling me this is what I want to do. So I went on and got my bachelor's degree in social work and then life happened. I had a practice marriage, I call it. And um, that did not work out. And by that time, because I'd used my 401k money for my college and living expenses, I needed to go back and make some decent money. So I went back into sales for a short period of time um, at a television station. I worked for WDAF Fox Television in Kansas City doing ad sales. And then I met this guy. Well, I, I knew this guy for a long time. I'd met him when I was 19. My now husband, Ferd, of 24 years next month. And he lived in Denver, Colorado. And so we had reconnected and started dating and we decided that I would move to Denver and we would see what would happen in our life. We ended up getting married. We have a now 22 year old son who is graduating May 5th from the University of Indiana, um, has a big job in Chicago. He's just amazing. But that during that time, I, when I moved to Denver, I got, when I got pregnant with Charlie, I said, <laughs> I need to go to graduate school because if I don't go to graduate school, I'll never go to college. I'll never get my graduate degree. So I started graduate school six months pregnant. You know, I'm nuts. Aren't I nuts? So I started graduate school six months pregnant, got my graduate degree, went to work for my professor at DU, um, working with women with low incomes that were transitioning from welfare to work. And what an incredibly challenging population and what an incredibly amazing group of women. So I did that for about eight years and I burned myself out. Charlie was six years old in preschool and I had a suicidal client that I overcompensated for and was driving her to the hospital. Couldn't get a hold of fur to pick up Charlie from preschool. I just, and I had another anxiety attack like the day my father, I disassociated and was like, ah, I can't do this. So I like to say that the universe, I, I decided to leave that I couldn't maintain what I was doing in social work. So I decided to leave the nonprofit sector, thought I would come home and be, um, take it in my privilege. My husband's successful. And, you know, I could have stayed home and just been a stay at home mom at that point. But I like to say the universe had another plan and people kept knocking on my door and wanting to work with me. And I was playing with a lot of 
like technology in my practice. I was starting to work with somatics. I was working with energy, which we know a lot about, right? What was happening energetically for us and in and around the body. And so my practice just started to develop and I started creating all these tools and like creatively just, you know, expanded. So now almost 15 years later, I have a, a coaching practice, a consulting practice. I've written a curriculum called Uproot. It's a 15 week course that really looks at what's happening below the surface and energetically and what keeps us stuck in patterns and behaviors that hold us back from our best, highest self. And then in March of 2020, my mom passed away and she was, my dad was gone. My brother had died five years earlier and now my mom was gone and COVID hit. And I now know that my mom died of COVID in the hospital, but we didn't know at that time what that was. And the grief of losing her and then liquidating the house, which was my brother's stuff and my dad's stuff and her ex-husband's stuff or her deceased husband's. It was like, it was just this untangling of my life from a very young age. And I think that is really what precipitated me saying, you know, I need to start telling these stories. I need to write about my life, my choices. How did I get to where I am given where I came from? You know, all the crazies, all the whatevers, right? So I think that's really what precipitated the book was, oh God of second chances, here I am again. And, you know, it's a it's a combination of my personal story. I curate TED Talks. I have done that for the last seven years in TEDx Cherry Creek, women primarily. Obviously, I'm a women's empowerment coach. I love working with women and seeing, helping them see their best potential. And the TED stage is such a remarkable space to do that. So I have 11 stories of people who have done TED Talks that I coached either prior to or in a few of them that we coached on the stage that just were impactful to me. And then all the tips and tricks and all the tools that I use in my practice and I've curated over the last, I don't know how many years. So the book is full of, you know, good stories, vulnerability, humor. It's funny. I mean, there's some very funny stories in this book and, you know, tools that people could take away to help them and support themselves in their journey of self-authoring and self, self-actualization. That's so fun. I love that right now we're in a time where... I don't know about you, but I share this, I guess, to any listener who is feeling the calling of writing a book or feeling the calling of of doing whatever the next step is. I think us as entrepreneurs, we are open to testing and trying and shape-shifting and maybe following our heart a, a little bit more than than some in the world. And not all of them are fully green lights, right? So we learn so much and I love learning. It may be a part of my upbringing too, of having four great grandparents and, or two great grandparents, four grandparents of like really sitting and listening. Like there's so much to learn in conversation and who you are. And I've heard parts of your story, but not ever like this whole portion. And now it makes me even more excited. Um, One of the things we were talking about earlier is that your book is coming out in Audible in the coming weeks. And that's one of my favorite ways to listen and to really cherish and take things in. And I'm really pivoting. One of the things that I heard you say earlier is, is that you loved your, your, where you were growing up and what it looked like and how it felt until you didn't. 
And so really honoring like that next step and that next portion and how much of this book is you and probably yes for your business and yes to support those who you're working with and such a healing journey for being able to go through the steps and processes and pieces of your life and seeing it from that observer view in a totally different light and way. And I just love that this time on the planet where it feels more like freedom and ease to write and get your book out into the world or share it and express it however you might be wanting to. So thank you for writing that so that we can all take it in and learn more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's so important. And I talk about this, like, it's so important for women, particularly to share our stories because we live in a world where we think we're the only ones, you know, how many times have you done something? You thought I'm the only one that could screw that up like that. I'm the only one that that happens to. I'm the only one. Right. And we, every woman I know lives with that. I am the only one. And the other thing we live with is I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. Right. And when we start to tell our stories and we start to share the experiences and we start to share the growth and how do you transform challenges into opportunities or new ways of being right. That serves all of us, not just me, right. In writing my book, it serves all of us when we tell that story. So I'm really passionate about, I call it women's voices and women's choices, you know, like we're, we're in it together and we women need each other to grow and develop. We don't do it in an asylum. So true. So, so true. Yeah. This morning I had the opportunity of leading Clarity Circle and it's, it's such a gift for me because it is an anchored time, grounded time when we get to come together and get to process and get to share and remember that we're not alone. And Mm -hmm. that's so many people experiencing in their own way but they're turbulent times. And one of the people was using some words called sour grapes, right? I love that because it's like, oh, you put a grape in your mouth and you're expecting something and it is totally different than what we're expecting. And then how we get to navigate that. Do you spit it out? Do you swallow it? Like what, what do you do? Then does it cause the digestive issues, right? And then like all the other things and lead to more. It's just amazing. Yeah. Thank you. And then the other piece that I think is so fun is through your exploration, one of the key pieces that you're sharing today is how you started attracting your clients and people were knocking on your door. And I really believe that when we're aligned and when we're paying attention and we're open to receiving, that's how life works. It's like, hey, right. are you can you can you come help me and and go to this next step in in place and the more we really truly trust that and see life unfold instead of us pushing and forcing or trying right. to make something work yeah yeah i write about it a lot about the river analogy because i love that idea when i take women on retreats i always take them to water whether it's the ocean or the river right because does the river know where it's going yeah. And does the river like end up in the most amazing place? Yeah. Right. And we think that we are supposed to be in the boat paddling. And most of the time we're paddling upstream. Like we are not, we're not designed to paddle upstream. We're not designed to force the river. We're designed to get in the water, get in the flow and let it happen. You know, I love clarity for the river analogy. Right. And I was talking, actually I was talking to Kathy yesterday doing some coaching Um, about the eddy, you know, how important the eddies of our lives are, that there's times when 
It's not about having to do more. There's times when you just literally sit on the side of the the flowing water and just kind of circle around for a little bit and get a reprieve and find, you know, what's next. And then when it's time, the river will take you, right? The river will call you and you will be called into the flow again and you'll be flowing. And I think, you know, people who entrepreneurs, and I see this all the time with women a lot, you know, the idea of they think they're the doer. They're the ones that are going to make it happen. If they don't do it, it won't happen. Right. And they force and they push and they make themselves totally exhausted. And when I tell them, put the oars in the boat, baby, you know, put the oars in the boat, see what happens. They're blown away by what happens when they get in flow, blown away. I love that so much. I'm stoked. That's going to be so fun. I don't know that I've, I've always shared, like, let the river carry you. But when you really, when we really get to put the oars in the boat, right? Like there's another conversation I was having with someone earlier on in the podcast, and they were talking about how there's like, they thought that there's a boogeyman that was coming, right? And what if I don't do this? What if I am let the ball drop or it doesn't happen or come to fruition and the boogeyman doesn't come, right? So it's the same thing. And the river is carrying us. And just like we're standing right now on this planet, it, it, it's got us. Yeah. We're sitting in a chair, it's got us. And I'm, I'm so grateful that the work that you do is not just mindset too, because it's one thing to know that, right? And Dr. Joe Dispenza talks, talks about this all the time. Like knowledge is for the mind, but experience is for the body. Right. And when you're helping people drop in through all the somatic work that you have gone through and the heart math that you incorporate in, which is a fair amount of what's incorporated into clarity too, in the intention, but it's not so much shown in, in the day-to-day work. And I was able to experience some somatic work with you a couple of weeks ago. And I know it cleared so much for myself and it's that physical cellular understanding and trust that we can't get from our mind. That's right. Because what happens to us doesn't happen at the level of our minds. What happens to us happens at the level of the experience. And so you have to go back in and, and work at the experience. And you know what I was talking about when my dad went to the hospital in the ambulance, right? I am 10 on the porch and my, my being did not have the capacity to deal with what was happening to me because I was so out of my realm, like, so in my anxiety that I disassociated. I mean, it's a very common psychological thing that happens, but with disassociation, it stays, it stays in the energetic body. So when you disassociate, when I'm 10 and my dad's taken away, right? So then when I would get triggered later in life, with something that Charlie would do, for instance, and I would get overwhelmed, I would totally freeze and be like, who's going to take care of this? Because, (laughs) because my 10 year old wasn't integrated. When I went back and pulled the 10 year old back into my own now place, right into my body. And like, got really aware that my 10 year old was trying to run the show when I was overwhelmed and she just did nothing. (laughs) I was like, Oh, I'm an adult now. I can handle this, right? Get you behind me, little one, and I will take care of this. You don't have to do it. But it's just amazing to go back and do do the level of work that I do is, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I am, I've been playing with some IFS, internal family systems therapy work for myself and, and just clinically playing with it. Fascinating, right? Because there's a lot of science between those parts that's just check out, like, mm, you know, they're called a... Uh, 
exiles in that body of work, right? We just exile and we have to bring those parts back online in order to be fully who we're meant to be. So, right. And yeah. In in all of this, something that I heard over and over and over again, but somehow it landed when Kathy Hawk started teaching and doing this beautiful flow, right? That's very simplistic of what happens when we're lights off, when we're going through traumatic situation is we only have three choices, right? We have fight, flight, or freeze. That's right. And in all of those, we're going to anchor something in our physical being, but we're going to show up so differently, right? So a freezing is just a style, just a pattern until we uh, get clear on where it came from and how we internalized it and become comfortable with it and know that it's safe and okay, especially when you're guided by professionals for sure. And the amount that you can do through meditation on your own and quiet time and journaling and recreating that those moments in your life, if, and when you're ready for that. And so I just, I love that. Like when we simplify this life, if we're in something that's not working for us, Mm -hmm. we're going to be frustrated with it, irritated with it and fight, flight, or freeze. How are we going to how are we going to show up? That's right. <laughs> that so, darn amygdala. <laughs> oh, is there an exercise or something that you want to share that would be helpful for someone who has disassociated or that is um, experiencing a, a part or a chapter of their life that they're working through? Yeah. Yeah. Let me think about this for a second. So I don't want to deal with the disassociation piece. Um, it's too complex and it really does need more of a clinical space, but let's just do something. Um, I love this exercise. This is probably my favorite exercise. I call it the, um, the sap. So my, all of my work is based on a tree analogy. So this is like the secret sauce of the tree, right? Is the sap. And so um, if you're listening, I just want you to close your eyes for a minute and just get yourself centered And I want you to allow the fact that your thoughts are there. The thoughts are always there. They're always running through the brain constantly, constantly, constantly. That's what the brain is for is to figure stuff out, to think things, to have thoughts. So really consciously aware that you're having thoughts can even be that Christy's talking right now. That's a thought. And now I want you just to notice that your thoughts actually are contained in a larger space. So if you take your awareness off of your thoughts and you put them, it's on a space contained in. So let's use the analogy of a blue sky day and clouds coming through, constantly running through. Those are the thoughts. Put your awareness on the blue sky, the space that contains those clouds or those thoughts. And just get a sense of what it feels like to be in the space versus being your thoughts. And Jen, I'm going to ask you, when you put your awareness on the space that on the space that um, is the container for the thoughts, what do you notice there? Yeah, I, I love this so much. Um, part of my um, every morning practice, now that it's warmer outside, is to lay on my yoga mat at the end of my um, workout staring at this beautiful blue sky that we have in Colorado. Um, and it instantly moves me into expansion and infinite possibility. And 
out of what feels more limiting as my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So toggle with this. So stay with me on the the exercise, right? So I want you, that's beautiful because that's exactly what, that's exactly true, right? The space that contains the thought is the higher consciousness. It's the ex- more expansive space. That's why we call it spacious awareness place, SAP, right? That is the sense of the higher self, right? Your thoughts are just your thoughts, but you can toggle between them. So like if you're toggling between computer screens, you can toggle to your thoughts right now, toggle to your thoughts, be aware that you're having those thoughts and then toggle to the space that contains the thoughts and find that expansion. This is a mind blowing experience for people that can get it. Not everybody gets it the first time. It takes a little bit of practice for some people because they're so identified with their thoughts as who they are. But when you get clear that you are not your thoughts, right? That there's so much more there, right? All of a sudden you have access to so much more information because the brain is just a regurgitation of data in. That's all it is. And when you're thinking, all you're doing is pulling files from things that have been put into the brain. When you're in the expanded place, you have access to so much more information, right? It's like taking the blinder, horse blinders off on a horse. And all of a sudden they're not just seeing down the one lane. They're able to see the entire view of what's going on. And that's what the spacious awareness place or the SAP does is it gives you the experience. And not only that, then you start practicing witnessing your thoughts from that place, right? Because when you can start witnessing your thoughts and saying, oh, I'm aware I'm having thoughts right now, that is a really wonderful place to be because you go to the observer self and then you can start questioning what your thoughts are telling you as if they're true or not right? Really fun to play with. I have another technique in the book um, I talk about called MSU, making stuff up. We are notoriously making, we're notorious for making stuff up. Like if something happens and we're like, what, you know, we tell the story about what we, what happened. And most of the time it's not even true. Like we just make it up. So there's an exercise in there where you actually get really clear about the objective facts. And then the story you're telling yourself about the facts um, a podcaster I did uh, interviewed me recently asked me how you know, and I said, "How do you feel? Like when when you think about something that is happening or has happened, if you're in your story or you're in the making the stuff up place, you're going to have some level of anxiety. You're going to have some level of not feeling so good. You're going to be in angst. You might be angry, right? Any of those things. But when you're in the objective facts, what do you think happens?" clarity, <laughs> clarity. It's like, you're like, Oh, that's just what happened. That's it. There's no angst in it. Yeah. It's absolutely my favorite part of the clarity check-in and Kathy being so clear that what she set the intention for, or what I've heard her, what I, what I make up with the story that I'm like anchoring into is that we get to remove judgment we get to remove good and bad that there is something, right? Because we do, we attach. I have attached so much meaning to experiences throughout my life that isn't even true. Right. And today it was beautiful. We were sitting in the, a room together. Someone was looking at my white Yeti mug that I have, and it has longhorns on it from Texas, right? Like that, that, like it has longhorns on it. That could be made into a gazillion different stories, right? right. Like yep. someone from Kansas could say whatever. Right. I look at it and I think of an amazing woman who influenced my life. I do not see Texas when I look at Longhorns. And so someone was having a conversation about that. And then I have a white Yeti microphone 
So the word Yeti was being used in conversation. Two of the people in the room were focused on the microphone while someone was focused on the mug, having a whole conversation about universities and mugs and all this stuff while these two other people were looking at the microphone like, is she out of her mind? What what is what is happening right now? Like the context wasn't there. And it was so helpful because there's some coaching clients that I'm supporting right now that are going through and seeing two very different stories. Mm -hmm. And it's all from their perspective, right? Like all from their experiences and what stories we make up about whatever it is. Right. I heard this and I love this. Um, So what if you go with the assumption that everybody's right? Right. What if you can stand in a place of saying everybody's right? Because everybody has a vantage point of which they're seeing that. Right. And that is a game changer when it comes to conflicts and, you know, different things that show up in our lives. When you say, well, everybody's right here. Let's just get their perspectives and figure out, you know, and how do we come together if we need commonality to do that? So everybody's right. Well, and especially in this situation, right? Because there's like one person talking about a mug and they're very clear on what they're doing. It's in all situations. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And the others who are staring at a, at some, a different form yeah. of whatever it is. Yeah, I love that. And and really to notice too, are we feeling anxious? Are we feeling angry? Like where am I in the process and giving ourselves space, like yep. getting to a place where, oh my goodness, this is real for me right now. And how do I move it through my body so that we're not disassociating and or not stuffing an emotion down somewhere and hitting the pause button for ourselves and really figuring out like, what am I feeling and what am I going through? And ideally not taking others with you when when we're doing that, right? Like to, to create that space for ourselves. Yeah. So I teach the aspire method. I'm a huge believer in that we aspire to our desire. I think our futures are predicated on what our, what our desire is. You know, I say there's biblical pieces that say it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, right? The future is, and it it really comes down to, it came through Greg Braden's work for me around fractal time, because if you measure time, it's the same past and future. So the teaching is that we are trained to remember our past, but what if we were trained to remember our future, right? So I do this technique called aspire to your desire. And I always work with people on what is the desire of your heart? Cause I'm a heart centered person. I, I lead from my heart and I, the heart is so powerful. If you, if you don't know this and trust that go to heartmath.com and study it. Cause there's so much science between the intelligence of the heart. Um, but I teach this technique called Aspire. It's an acronym used on acronyms and using them to help you uncover the unconscious. So the A of Aspire is awareness. You have to be aware, right? In any moment, you have to get yourself like oh, present. I'm feeling funny. Uh, I'm angst. I'm in a, I'm in a situation, right? So awareness. And then the S is space. Just what you said, Jen, right? You have to give yourself space to be able to say, oh, and then the P is present. So ASP, right? is presence. And you can put those together for spacious presence or sap, like find the space that you can go to the sap and get really clear about the higher part of your brain that it can think differently than the mind, right? Find the spacious place and get there and then set your intention. And it isn't an intention about what you want. It's the intention of how you want to be in the situation. 
So if you're in conflict, right? How do you want to be? How do you want to show up for that? Not do what, not what do you want to do? Not what do you want the other person to do, but how do you want to be in that? Right? So the intention, the R is then you get to respond versus react because we are trained to react in our lives out of our conditioning, out of our below the line stuff, right? That creates reactivity. But when you're above the line or when you're in this, this space, you can actually respond to your life in a new and different way. And then the E is just experience it, right? And let it be. And then evaluate it. Did it work? Did it not work? What do I need to do different? So aspire and aspire to your desire. It's beautiful. Yeah. And having these tools to pause and take this moment and write these tools down so that you have them and you can remember them when the river gets rough or we get thrown from our boat or the eddy has us and we're swirling and we can't see anything different. And the first time I saw the video, one of the videos that Dr. Joe shares and and speaks about of us becoming the observer of our thoughts. And I feel like a lot of this work when you're starting, it's like, okay, yeah, that's nice. And how how do you actually really do it? Right. And Uh it just takes so much practice of over and over. And thank goodness this life provides abundance of opportunities every single day and every, every day, thousands of them, right. For us to choose and to really have an opportunity to know that we get to choose to bring in powerful partners like yourself who have these skill sets and are so powerful in the space that you get to create and hold and create that safety so that others can process and bring up whatever it is that they might be going through without judgment, like knowing that they're whole and complete and perfect just the way that they are and right where they're supposed to be in their journey. And thank you for doing this work so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. And let me just, let me just put this thought in here before we we wrap up. I know our time's about to end. So what we talked about was that level of thinking. And when you talked about Joe just Dispenza talking about being the observer, that is key because that is the thinking place, right? But when you, when, if somebody goes through this um, podcast and listens to me, take them through the SAP exercise and they get it, they experience it. And once you experience it, you have the mental equivalent that you can't take back right? That's why talk therapy is why I left social work, quite frankly, is talk therapy to me does not work. I mean, you can talk about stuff. It, it, it can relieve pressure, right? To talk about something, but it doesn't work in long-term practice of healing people's souls. It doesn't. My personal opinion. Personal yeah. Opinion. And, and especially when they're not going home and activating it in their body, right? Right. So often we think that we can go and, or at least I did, show up to a therapist and talk about it and then go out and live my life. And I feel like church is almost a similar way in some regard for some people. This is definitely not a blanket statement by any means, but when we're able to find someone that can help us drop in right now and do this experience, like... It, it warms my heart on so many levels. And I'm so grateful that you brought it all the way back to the SAP experience because in my mind, I was also going to, ah, oh, this is what I've heard another mentor, Kathy Heller, talk about, and she's taking me there. And this is what I've heard um, Deepak Chopra talk about, right? Like when we 
look at a physical product or something in front of us, like our computer or wherever. And for you explaining to me, like toggling back and forth between these computer screens, something that we're actually doing on a regular basis. And then looking even just in the room around us, but I love the sky visual as well of there's so much more space than there is things right in the physical in this lifetime. And we're so focused on the physical and we are physical. So that's um, definitely a part of it. And when we get to separate our thoughts from that aspect of the space and know that we can shift them, that we can choose different thoughts, that we can operate in a different being and body and cellularly rewire our whole selves, our whole being. That's right. Yeah. Oh God, it's second chances. Every minute's a second chance. Every single minute, you know, you get to decide, do I want to be my thoughts? Do I want to be my story? Do I want to be my, who I think I am? You know, there's just a chance in every single moment to think different, do different, be different, right? If you choose to. And to ask too, like, is this story? Is this story that I'm creating about something? Is this story that someone else helped me form and create along the way that might be our moms or our dads or our grandparents or whomever's, right? And I I just love that there's an opportunity to question and get really curious. And and then when we start to dig up and figure out what, what certain things are, it's like, oh, Okay, great. There's an opportunity to pick up the phone and call Christy. I'm going to work on this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's yeah. And if I can, just the book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So it's available to purchase. It has the hard copy now, the soft copy, and the e-versions are live. And as I shared with you earlier, I have recorded the book. I am working with technicians to get the audio just right so they can go up to Audible. So I'm hoping in the next few weeks that the Audible will be available and it's in my voice. So it's going to be a hoot. <laughs> it was hard. It was really hard, but it's going to be a hoot. So <laughs> thank you for doing it. I will love getting to hear your voice as you navigate and narrate and take us on that journey. Um, and then where else can people find you? Uh, my name is Christy, C-H-R-S-T-Y, Bells, B-E-L-Z. And that is my website, www.christybells.com. Um, and there's just a plethora of information on the book, on my course, on how to get a hold of me, how to book a session, all of that on the website. Beautiful. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all your gifts that you're sharing. And I look forward to everyone getting to meet you, know you. Yeah. Thank you, Jen. Really appreciate your time. We'll yeah. see you all next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Manifesting Clarity. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. This helps others to find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.